Foothills of the Rocky Mountains, it's E-Town, celebrating 30 years on the air. This week, with guests from 1997, including Arlo Guthrie, Ben Harper, Suzanne Vega, Bobby McFerrin, Peter Rowan, and more. Plus conversations with Amory Lovins and a special Achievement Award winner. I'm Helen Forster. Right now, here's our host, Nick Forster. Thank you, Ellen. Hello, everybody. Welcome to E-Town. I can tell you that in looking into the E-Town archives, even though I may never have been sure of either my own skills or achievements, I can say that we were not wrong in choosing the musicians we invited to be our guests year after year. The music holds up. These performances are solid, sometimes profound, transcendent. We were also not wrong to present experts in the field of renewable energy and climate science or even to celebrate ordinary folks doing extraordinary things in their hometowns. All of that stuff still rings true. It did all feel a little strange at the time because nobody else was doing it and our stations weren't always thrilled with the interviews. They wanted more music. But for us, it was the combination that we were after all along. The community, the science, the music, the collaborations. So sometimes it takes stopping what you've been doing to get a little perspective. And uh, I can thank COVID for that. It's about the only thing positive about it, the interruption. And then the discovery, I guess, of what we made over the last 30 years, little by little, has really been profound for us. So here we go. We've got an amazing list of artists joining us this week, all of these performances from our 1997 season. Up first, we've got an amazing duo of country blues from the Piedmont region, Cephas and Wiggins. But before them... We're going to go to a show in Baltimore, Maryland, that featured the one and only Arlo Guthrie. It's E-Town from 1997. Earlier uh, this year, we were up in uh, Cleveland, Ohio, at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They were doing a symposium and uh, having a 10-day celebration of sorts, uh, which concerned itself, I think, mostly with my dad, Woody Guthrie, and it was a wonderful time to be there and see all of his friends and, and people who were influenced by him and singing his songs. And uh, just to get them all in one place and singing some of those old songs was just a wonderful sort of occasion or sort of reaffirmation of what it was like to write those songs and, and to find that some of them still have some meaning, even though they were written so many years ago. I mean, it's a tribute to some of those folks that wrote songs, not just my dad, that that songs that were written 50, 60, 70 years ago could still be sung today. It's much more difficult, you know. My dad was going through the newspapers one day years ago now and uh, came across an article of a plane that had gone down out in California. And, was, and it said, well, uh, it mentioned the pilot's name or something, the co-pilot, didn't list any of the passengers, said it was just a bunch of immigrants or something. And, and that pissed him off. And uh, so he wrote a song about it, a true event. And... Uh, I guess the sad thing is you can say this song could have been written just last week as much as it was decades ago. The crops are all in, and the peaches are rotting. The oranges are piled in their creosote dumps. They're flying you back to the Mexican border to pay all your money to wait back again. My father's own father, he waded that river They took all the money he made in his life My brothers and sisters come working the fruit trees And they rode the trucks till they took down and died 
Goodbye to my one goodbye, Rosalita. Adios, mis amigos, Jesus y Maria. You won't have a name when you ride the big airplane, and all they will call you will be deportees. Some of us are illegal, and others not wanted. Our work contracts out, and we have to move on. But it's 600 miles to the Mexican border They chase us like outlaws, like rustlers and thieves We've died in your hills and we've died in your deserts We've died in your valleys and died on your plains We've died neath your trees and we've died in your bushes Both sides of the river we've died just the same Goodbye to my one goodbye, Rosalita. Adios, mis amigos. Jesus y Maria. You won't have a name when you ride the big airplane. And all they will call you will be deportees. A skyplane caught fire over Los Gatos Canyon. Like a fireball of lightning. Shook all our hills And who are these friends All scattered like dry leaves The radio says they are just deportees Is this the best way we can grow our big orchards Is this the best way we can grow our good fruit To fall like dry leaves And to ride on the topsoil And be known by no name Except deportees Goodbye to my one goodbye Rosalita Adios mis amigos Jesus y Maria You won't have a name when you ride the big airplane And all they will call you will be deportees Arlo Guthrie, along with his son Abe on keyboards, vocals. John Cephas, tell me a little bit about um, the Piedmont style. What's that all about? Well, the Piedmont style of blues originated basically in the eastern part of the United States. So they roughly from Delaware down to the northern parts of Georgia, from the mountains to the ocean. It's called the Piedmont area. And in that area, in the black community, almost all of the musicians used a similar technique, and that is the alternating thumb and finger picking. And that's where it was kind of tagged, the Piedmont style. Yeah. And so who are some of the players that you listened to in this style when you were growing up and hearing this music? Well, I think my main mentor was Blind Boy Fuller. There were many musicians in the Piedmont area. Blind Boy Fuller, Reverend Gary Davis also played that style. Yeah. Blind Blake played that style. Uh, Pink Anderson, there were a number of others that uh, played that similar style. Yeah. But I think Blind Boy Fuller, my main uh, influence. And where did you find your partner here, Phil Wiggins? <laughs> Where'd you bump into him? Well, uh, we was playing at the American Folklife Festival in Washington, D.C. Phil, he was playing with a lady named Flora Moulton, a gospel singer, and I was playing with uh, Big Chief Ellis from Birmingham, Alabama. We was on the same show. And uh, after uh, Big Chief and I heard Phil playing this dynamic 
harmonica, we conspired to ask Phil, would he uh, consider joining in with us and doing some gigs with yeah. us? And uh, he said yes, so we played some around in the D.C. area for a while until Chief's death, and after Chief died, then Phil and I, we've been playing together since then for about the last 21 years. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I understand that um, it's a great concern of yours to make sure people get to hear this kind of music and uh, appreciate it so that it will be preserved. You make an effort right. to make sure young people especially get exposed to this kind of music. Right. As some of you know, this is kind of the grassroots of the basic blues. This is traditional blues, acoustic blues, having its influence in Africa. This is American form of music. It was born in the black community, and uh, it has influenced music all over the world, not only in America, but every form of music, bluegrass, rock and roll, uh, you take the R&B, just about any kind of music that you hear was influenced by this traditional style of blues. And it's very important because most people don't really get to hear some of this grassroots. Uh, what they hear is the, the more modern forms of music, like some of the rap music and some of the punk rock and funk rock and all of that good stuff. Some of the jazz also. All of that derived from the, uh, had its beginnings in this style of music. The Piedmont style was one of the main influences. The Delta style, which was more of a single string progression, this was the other influence that came out of the black community. And it is important that we uh, preserve this, we, uh, perform it, to let people hear it and explain where it all come from and its influence. So I think that's very important. That's why we do what we do. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Another piece for us? Yeah, okay, we got one for you here. One, one right over the Piedmont here. As many of you know that uh, many of the blues songs had to do with the relationship between uh, woman and man, you know. So we got one here for you now, it's called Mamie.
name Lord, I thought I heard Thought I heard Mamie Call my name She didn't call it loud Call it oh so Nice and plain Oh, Mamie Oh, Mamie Oh, Mamie Oh, Mamie Lord, I wonder where Wonder where my Mamie is I'd give a thousand dollars If I could find out Where my Mamie is John Cephas on the guitar, Phil Wiggins on the harmonica, Cephas and Wiggins. That's Cephas and Wiggins live on stage at E-Town from 1997, and before that, the amazing Arlo Guthrie. We'll be back with an Achievement Award plus music from Ben Harper and Gillian Welch and David Rawlings after a short break. This portion of E-Town is made possible by the Bohemian Foundation, building stronger communities through the Bohemian qualities of creativity and imagination. On the web at bohemianfoundation.org. You're listening to E-Town. I'm Nick Forster. You're listening to E-Town as we celebrate some of the best moments from our 1997 season. You all know that we've been honoring individuals for years and years who did something outstanding in their communities. Listeners like you would send us stories and we'd work out the details of either getting those people to be in person on stage with us or to reach them by phone. So here's the beginning of a themed segment, including Ben Harper's song, Homeless Child. Gillian Welch and Dave Rawlings doing Orphan Girl, and up first, a great Achievement Award story about homeless youth, all from the E-Town stage back in 1997. Here comes Helen to tell you more. Thanks, Nick. Riley Schaefer of Thornton, Colorado, sent us a really cool story about a man who started a nonprofit organization called Stand Up for Kids. It's uh, based in Denver, although there are branches in four other states as well. And uh, Stand Up For Kids offers care and support to homeless teenagers who are in desperate situations out on the streets. And these are kids that literally have been given up on. No one else wants to deal with, yet they're the ones that really need some kind of help the most. We're honored to have the founder of this organization here with us. His name is Rick Kocha, and he's going to tell us more about the work of Stand Up For Kids and uh, also how it all got started. So please give a warm E-Town welcome to this week's winner, Rick Kocha. Thank you, Helen. How are you, Rick? I'm great, Nick. Thanks. Um, 
Tell me a little bit about your background and what brought you to starting this organization, dealing with, with um, homeless kids. I had a command at Lowry Air Force Base in Denver, and I received an assignment to go to San Diego. And about a year before I got there, I seen an article about homeless and street kids in San Diego, and I said, well, that's what I'm going to do when I got there. So that's what I did. I got involved with the kids on the street. And uh, what kind of situations did you find these kids in? Wow. Now, there's about 2 million homeless and street kids in all of the United States, uh, most of two them. 2 million homeless? 2 million kids. Over half are under the age of 15. And, um, 2 million kids, half of whom are under the age of 15, who are homeless in this country. Exactly. The richest nation in the world. That is, I didn't know that. Wow. Um, we're all volunteers, and we walk the streets week after week, convincing our children that we care about them and we want them back. And uh, we don't run shelters or centers. We're an on-the-streets program. And the kids are in rough shape, or what's going on for these guys? Uh, they're in rough shape. Um, we have a program in Southern California that only works with kids who live in the sewers. Uh, our program here in Denver and in the Boulder area, uh, throughout the winter months, we treated a number of kids who had frostbite. Um, we work with kids who live under bridges and in riverbeds. Uh, wherever the kids are, that's where we're going to find them. Yeah. So you find these kids on the street. Then, then what do you do? Well, um, one of the first things we do is try to befriend them and show them that we care. We feed them. Uh, we take them hygiene products and clothes. In fact, we're just finishing up a thing with uh, Boston chicken, and we're going to start feeding our kids a nice warm meal every Friday night. So that's going to be pretty awesome. That'll we're be excited great. about that. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. So it's, a, so it's a couple of states, California and Colorado? Or? We're in California, Colorado, Arizona, Washington, and Virginia. And we're in the process of uh, raising some funds to build two more new programs as soon as we can. Yeah. Any idea how many kids you've actually uh, helped so far? Um, thousands, literally thousands, hundreds every week. In Denver, we're on the streets uh, nine times a week letting the kids know that we really care about them. Wow. So it's making a difference. It's making a difference one kid at a time, and sometimes I think that's just not enough. We need to save more. We're just, we're not doing what we should be doing. Yeah. Well, listen, Rick, it sounds like amazing stuff what you're doing, and, and on behalf of listener Riley Schaefer, who nominated you, we've got a Framed Achievement Award certificate in recognition of all the work you're doing. Thanks, Nick. That's great. Thank you very much. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you very much. To listener Riley Schaefer of Thornton, Colorado, we send our thanks. And uh, to the rest of our listeners, if you have someone in mind whose story needs to be told, get a hold of us here in E-Town, either by way of the net, etown.org, or write to us the old-fashioned way at Box 954, Boulder, Colorado, 80306. Thanks a lot, Helen. The Achievement Award, Mr. Rick Kocha. Please welcome Mr. Ben Harper. Thank you.
call my own No one near to call my own All that's left is for me to roam Somebody please help me, hey, hang on Homeless child, homeless child Homeless child, what is left for the homeless child? There is no night and there is no day. I said it is a one shade of gray. Some will pass. Some will stay I said, is this the end Or just one more day Homeless child I said, homeless child Oh, homeless child Homeless child Homeless child What is left for the homeless child? Best. You see, I just need some place to rest If you will just let me be your guest Lord, I won't burden you for very long Homeless child Homeless child mm-hmm. Homeless child Homeless child Homeless child I said, what is left for the homeless child? Mr. Ben Harper. Gillian, I know you kind of grew up in a musical family. Your parents were involved in music business. Yeah, uh, very, very musical family. My dad uh, started playing accordion when he was about five and uh, hit the road as a vaudeville team with his brother. They were accordion and tap dance duo. So I, I guess I have duo performing in, in my blood. <laughs> that's, kind of a, that's kind of an odd heritage, you have to think about that. And, uh, and tap dancing. We yeah. tried it for a while. Yeah? Who, which, one, which one of you danced? Uh, I did the dancing. Dave yeah. was the dancer. <laughs> I own the accordion in the yeah. family, so. There you go. Do you, you play accordion? I do. You haven't seen my accordion? No, I, maybe I have. I don't think so. But. It's very pretty. It's got yeah. rhinestones on it. Oh, cool. <laughs> And then your, um, your parents went on to write for television, right? Music for television. They right? wrote for the Carol Burnett show for years, yeah. yeah. Um, so every Friday after, after school, I was drugged down to Television City 
down there at CBS and uh, got to sit around and watch them yuck it up. Right. <laughs> <laughs> in in uh, Los Angeles. In, in, yeah. Yeah. So how does the musical line go from that to what you're doing now? What happened to from you? From Television City to yeah. Music City. Did you bump into the Stanley Brothers somewhere along the line or something like that? That's exactly what happened. Really? Um, that, that really is what happened. I was living in Santa Cruz and uh, was living with a bunch of bluegrass pickers. And I was cleaning the bathtub one Sunday morning. <laughs> and uh, I have a very specific recollection of it. And this housemate of mine, this guy Mike McKinley, he, he put on a, a Stanley Brothers record. And that stuff came on, and I you dropped my sponge. You stopped cleaning the bathtub. I yeah. did. <laughs> and I sat there, and I thought, what, what is this? Who, who is this? Yeah. And a little light bulb went on over my head. Well, it's a great sound the two of you make, and um, I'm sure we're all anxious to hear some more of it. Gillian Welch and David Rawlings. Sister, my brother. 
Gillian Welch, along with David Rawlings. Thank you, Ben Harper and Gillian Welch and Dave Rawlings. Such good music, and we have so much more coming. But before we get back to music, I remember distinctly the first time we were able to book the celebrated renewable energy expert, Amory Lovins, on E-Town. He founded with his wife the Rocky Mountain Institute, and that was located near Aspen, Colorado. He occasionally came to Boulder, but even so, it took a while. So here he tells us about hybrid electric cars before there were any. There was no such thing as the Toyota Prius back in those days, let alone any all-electric car. Here's part of my chat with Amory Lovins. Our next guest has an idea that would revolutionize traveling by car. It's called the hypercar. His name is Amory Lovins. He's perhaps the world's leading expert on energy conservation innovations and technologies. He's a physicist, co-founder with his wife of the Rocky Mountain Institute. He's a MacArthur Fellow, recipient of the Mitchell Prize, the Right Livelihood Award, the Delphi Prize, which is one of the world's two top environmental awards. He's uh, a very celebrated guy. Would you please welcome to E-Town, Amory Lovins. Thanks. Well, now, for more than 25 years, you've been working on ways to conserve energy, whether it's in the home or working with public utilities. Uh, why are you so excited about this new hypercar concept? Well, just think about what it does. Imagine a car that has the comfort of a Lexus, the performance of a Porsche, the safety of a Volvo, the solidity of a Mercedes, the price of a Taurus, gets one or 200 miles a gallon, and emits nothing. How can this claim be true? You're, I know that there's a few key ingredients. One has to do with aerodynamics. Yeah, you have to make it several times more slippery, but that doesn't make it a weird shape. It can look just like present cars or sports utilities or pickups. Mm -hmm. And then you have to make it several times lighter, which probably means making it out of advanced composites like carbon fiber. And even though it's very light, it can still be crashworthy because those materials are incredibly strong. Uh, and then you also give it a hybrid electric drive that means you run the wheels with electric motors, but instead of hauling around half a ton of batteries that contain only 1% as much energy per pound as gasoline, you use some kind of a liquid or gaseous fuel on board to make your electricity as needed, using a small engine or a fuel cell or turbine or whatever you want, gerbils, doesn't much matter. <laughs> uh, and when you put all those ingredients together, uh, the car gets, oh, initially about four to eight times as efficient as now and nicer in all other ways and probably cheaper to make. Cheaper to make if they're made in sufficient quantities. Yeah, but actually even in small quantities they do well because the manufacturing takes about a tenth as much capital. There are about a tenth as many parts in the body. The car gets radically simpler. Because the body is essentially molded out of just a few pieces? Yeah, that's right. A lot of the mechanical stuff goes away because when you have the hybrid electric drive, you no longer need things like starter, alternator, clutch, transmission, axles, differentials, U-joints, drive shaft. And of course, when it's that light, you don't need power steering or power brakes because it'll handle beautifully without them. Mm -hmm. See, today's cars only turn about 1% of the fuel energy into moving the driver. And, and this is after a century of devoted effort by superb engineers, but they kind of got into a blind alley. The car kept getting heavier and more complicated. We're just starting with a clean piece of paper. and. Uh, you know, Einstein said everything should be made as simple as possible, but not simpler. We're figuring out how to do that with cars, and it really works a whole lot better. Wow. In case you've just joined us, you're listening to E-Town. We're here with Amory Lovins talking about the hypercar 
concept. You mentioned at the top that this was a vehicle that would emit nothing. Are you talking about, ideally, a hydrogen fuel system? That's right. Hydrogen fuel cell really does emit nothing but distilled water that you can drink. And uh, if you don't want to get quite that clean, you can use something like, say, a Stirling engine and burning ordinary gasoline without a catalytic converter. That can be as clean as the power plants that recharge a battery electric car, Mm -hmm. which is, after all, an elsewhere emission vehicle. So it would qualify as equivalent zero emission. Right. Now, is there a danger that if you're making driving so comfortable and uh, so safe and so guilt-free and so cheap and so cheap that suddenly the roads are going to be just filled with people who are driving more because they think, oh, this is great, and it doesn't cost anything. So yeah, That's right. This does not solve the problem of too many people driving too many miles and too many cars. And in fact, we'll make it a bit worse in just the way you describe. So instead of running out of oil or air, we will run out of roads and patience. It's the constraint du jour. Uh, so we're also going to need to get a lot better at not driving so much Uh, by having real competition among all ways to get around or not to need to. And then if you need to get around, there are a lot of better ways to do that. And in fact, we'll have not only ultralight hybrid cars, but also the same in everything from trains to bicycles. The brave new world of Amory Levin's future, ladies and gentlemen. You got a little peek at it here this evening. Thank you. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. Once again, from the Rocky Mountain Institute up in Snowmass, Colorado, Amory Lovins and a hypercar. Thank you, Amory Lovins. We've got more music from Suzanne Vega and Patty Griffin coming up after a break. But first, here's a small chunk of my chat with Bobby McFerrin and a song from him and his group of singers that he was traveling with at the time that he called Circle Song. Uh, I like this description you gave of uh, circle songs. One of the simplest and most direct ways of praying and meditating is through singing. And singing in community is exceptionally powerful. Is that the reason for this, what you're doing now? That's exactly the reason for it. It's taken me a long time, but I finally discovered, I finally realized what music is for. Music is for one thing, and that's making communities. That is for bringing people together and making communities. This is what music is about. And uh, the first, I, I want to clarify something here because we've got these singers on stage, and it's really easy for them to say Bobby McFerrin and his backup singers, but that's not what this is at all. You know, I wouldn't be doing what I was doing if it wasn't for these wonderful people on stage. Because really, really, I have to. I, I really, I really have to say this. This is really, really important. I've spent 20 years uh, looking for my place to sit. You know, I've been doing jazz music and you know, said my forays in pop music and I've had my forays in the classical music. But not until now, working with circle stars and doing this kind of music, have I found my seat. And I feel that this is what I want to devote my time to, is singing circle songs. I think there's something extraordinary about music that happens one time, yeah. you know. And it's ancient, too. What you're it's doing very is something ancient. that's Oh, yeah, my goodness. Deep. It's very deep. Yeah. I mean, imagine, you know, people in communities getting together. A child is born. The man runs out of his abode. And he says, oh, my child, you know, I've got a new child. And they start singing about it. The whole community gets together, and they're singing, and they're dancing, and they start chanting. My child is born, yeah, my child is born. And what's his name, yeah. His name is Henry, yeah, yeah. His name is Henry. What's his name? You know, they go on and on, and they'll be dancing and singing. And this is all we're doing. Yeah. This is all we're doing. That This is the essence of it. That's all we're doing, you know? So it's not a performance. We're sitting here, and we're supping together. We're yeah. sitting, and we're feasting, and we're having a good time, you know? And we're praying, and we're meditating, and we're just getting inside ourselves. We get locked and rocked, you know, <laughs> with the music that we do, you know? 
Well, you're doing what you're setting out to do. I'll tell you, it sure feels like it to me. I don't know about you guys, but it works. It's working. Welcome back, Bobby McFerrin and Circle Song. Oh, 
Bobby McFerrin, along with Nick Beard, Pierre Cook, Susan Dahan, Beth Quist, Marion Saunders, Bobby McFerrin, Joey Blake, Julie Cruz, Kirsten Falk, Rhiannon, Dave Worm, Bobby McFerrin. We'll be back with more of the best moments from E-Town's 1997 season after a short break. Your visit to E-Town is made possible in part by the Scientific and Cultural Facilities District, or SCFD, one of the largest cultural funding mechanisms in the United States, supporting nearly 300 organizations in the greater Denver area. You're listening to E-Town. I'm Nick Forster. I'd like to say hello to our listeners who are hearing E-Town on stations like WZLO in Bangor, Maine, on KDNK in Carbondale, Colorado, and on WCOO in Charleston, South Carolina. As always, if you'd like some more information about what we're up to, you can find out all kinds of things at etown.org. Okay, next is a song from a show we recorded in 1997, that featured the second visit to E-Town by James Taylor. We also booked the great singer-songwriter from New York, Suzanne Vega, and she had our house band, the E-Tones, learn this next song. I got to learn some new chords on the guitar for this one. Here's Suzanne Vega with his song, Caramel, from the stage at E-Town back in 1997. Satisfied 
Suzanne Vega. From New York City. Thank you. Thank you, Suzanne Vega. Now we are heading back to the Boulder Theater for a show featuring two of my friends from the bluegrass world. I'd been traveling in that scene for many years by this point. I'd been in a band with the great Dobro master Jerry Douglas for a couple of years and had become friends with the remarkable singer Peter Rowan. Pete not only joined Bill Monroe's Bluegrass Boys in 1964, he was in Sea Train, Earth Opera, Mule Skinner, and of course, Old and in the Way over the course of just a decade or so. Peter and Jerry had made a duet record, and they're here on stage at E-Town back in 1997 to play a song from that record. Here they are, Pete Rowan and Jerry Douglas. Ticket on that lonesome cannonball She's gone, solid gone I'm down here crying cause she's gone Wish I were dead cause she's gone Solid gone, yeah She even took my shoes Left me here with these doggone lonesome blues She's gone, solid gone Well, I'm down here crying cause she's gone Wish I were dead cause she's gone, solid gone Jerry Douglas. 
Hattie Griffin. Day is the day 
Thank you, Patty Griffin, for your song, Forgiveness. Beautifully done. I want to thank all of our guests this week whose performances from 1997 we were able to feature in this week's program. That includes Arlo Guthrie, Cephas and Wiggins, Gillian Welch and Dave Rawlings, Suzanne Vega, who spoke with Amory Lovins and Rick Kocha, our award winner. Thanks to Ben Harper, Pete Rowan and Jerry Douglas, Patty Griffin, Bobby McFerrin, we're going to go out with some music from Southwest Louisiana with Steve Riley and the Mamu Playboys. Meanwhile, I also want to thank Todd Ayers, Donna Giardina, and a special thanks to Helen Forster for their help in putting these shows together. As always, there is so much good music in the archives, and we're just scratching the surface. I hope you're enjoying listening to some of these special moments from our archives half as much as we are enjoying just discovering them. It's an incredible pool of amazing music and conversation. I'm Nick Forster. Hope you can be with us next week right here in E-Town. This is a production of E-Town. Well, that was it. Our special look at our 1997 season with some great music and great conversation. There's so much stuff. This job is impossible. Meanwhile, I'm Nick Forster. Thank you for listening.